Buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better, simpler way to buy. It's with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. I actually just use SeatGeek to buy tickets to the Cubs-Phillies game later this month. I'm very excited about it. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on Seeky with confidence. Make Seeky your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, our listeners get $20 off your first Seeky purchase. Just download the Seeky app and enter promo code RINGERNFL today. That's promo code R-I-N-G-E-R-N-F-L for $20 off your first Seeky purchase. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show. My name is Robert Mays. I'm a writer at the Ringer. We have a fun kind of post-draft show for you today. We're going to be welcomed by Kevin Clark a little bit later to talk about the teams that help themselves the most during this process. Some way too early predictions for the 2017 NFL season. But before we do that, we're going to dig into a little bit more of the nitty-gritty from the last few rounds of the draft with Mike Lombardi. Mike, how you doing? I'm good, Robert. How are you? I'm you great. Recovered? I am good. I, you know what? I had such a nice weekend that I almost forgot that my entire world crumbled around me on Thursday night. So <laughs> that's how good it actually was. Well, at least you'll, now you got to go get your Mitch Trubisky jersey out after you bought your Mike Lennon jersey. So everything will be good. <laughs> I feel so bad for the people that bought the Mike Lennon jersey. Almost as bad yeah. as I feel for Mike Lennon, who has to wear a Bears jersey mm. now. <laughs> Yeah. Or how about John Fox? I guess he didn't really know everything. So, Oh, my God. All the details that have leaked out are just disastrous. Peter King in his MMQB today, which is pretty much a must read every year after the draft, just because of the access he tends to get at this time of year, was with the 49ers. And they figured it was Solomon Thomas. They had no idea. Based on everything that John Lynch and Parag Maratha were saying, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. I'm not exactly sure. Just in that moment, it was... It seems like the Bears were bidding against themselves. So for the most part, everything that we've learned about this in the latter stages of it haven't made me feel good about what happened originally. But I don't want to talk about that anymore because I'm just going to start getting depressed. Let's talk about things that actually went well for teams on draft weekend. And first thing I wanted to ask you, we chatted obviously on Friday night as the third round was going, but we haven't talked since the third and fourth third round ended and the fourth round happened in those two rounds. Were there picks that you thought were particularly good value, and who were they? You know, like I, I think that the, the, that that round is always fascinating because you can get guys who potential could start. Like the Eagles picked Matt Collins, a receiver yeah. from North Carolina, who's probably one of the best special teams players you're ever going to see in the draft. You know, I'm not in love with Torrey Smith whatsoever. I think Torrey Smith was a bad signing for the for the Eagles. I think a guy like Matt Collins can do some things eventually down the road. So you you like that? I think Perrine, you know, picking him. I thought he was a really outstanding value in that in that round, uh, you know, where they got him. The running where, back from um, Oklahoma. The running back that from went to Oklahoma. Washington. Yeah. 
that went to the I thought the Redskins really were having a good draft. I think that a lot of the players they picked I liked. Maybe that's why that's why draft grades are so kind of miscued because if you like the players they pick, you think they have a good it's self serving. Yeah, that's exactly. Really what ultimately happens with draft grades. It just really becomes your preference. But I thought the Redskins did well. And, you know, even the Rams, I wasn't crazy about the Rams draft, and then they picked the defensive lineman from Eastern Washington, who I thought had a chance to be a decent rusher. Uh, so I, I think there's some players in that round that, you know, when you pick there and, and things are going good for you, you know, you get a chance to get a potential starter, or at least a guy for the 18 team. That's the most important thing. The 18 team really matters. Yeah, I mean, it, that's what you want. You want guys that can contribute right away that you can kind of mold into those roles. So when it comes to Matt well, well, Collins, what I, mean, I mean, what I mean though, Robert, is I mean, like you draft them in the in seventeen, and you hope for the eighteenth draft. Oh, sure. You, you know they're going to they're going to come in and really make a difference for you. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, you have a year where they kind of can be background players and hopefully step into the foreground in their second season. That makes total sense. Yeah, I mean Washington. You can't really seem to go wrong in this draft picking guys that play defense for Alabama. Uh, that's probably a good choice. Uh, there are so many dudes right. on that team that were productive. And the fact that Jonathan Allen fell as far as he did, we didn't really talk about that on Thursday, but there were some concerns. You know, he wasn't as twitchy at the combine that people, as people had hoped. There were some injury issues that teams were worried about. But at 17, he's a player that was so incredibly productive in college that you have to feel good about that. Yeah, I think more the medical than the workout. I think the workout, you know, there was concerning, but the medical, I think the shoulders were a concern. And, you know, look, Reuben Foster dropped all the way down. The 49ers should count their lucky stars that they didn't pick Reuben Foster at the third round. I mean, the third pick overall, and they ended up getting him at 31 because Reuben Foster may require surgery after this, before the season even begins. Now, people are saying he's fine, everything's going to be good. That's not what I'm told by a lot of teams in the league. That's why he slipped. People think it's more the character. I'm tending to believe it was more the injuries and that shoulder, whether it's the torn labrum or the rotator cuff. So the 49ers are really fortunate that they would have turned that card in at three. That would have, They would have probably been holding their breath to think he's going to stay healthy for the season. Isn't that always how it goes? Every single year there are these value picks where t- we react in this way. It's like, oh, man, can you imagine? Can you believe this team got so-and-so here? Even with Dallas last year, they tried to trade up for Paxton Lynch. If, if, if right, they exactly. do that, there is no Dak Prescott. It, it, you need a little One bit of luck. And sometimes – oh, go ahead. One step even more. They try to trade up in the fourth round to get Connor Cook. Yep, I mean, yeah, exactly. Let's yeah. not forget that. Yeah, sometimes so you, right. you need yeah, a little bit really of luck and to be saved by your saved from yourself. So in this case, you know, San Francisco comes out of this draft looking like geniuses. In reality, they're probably sitting there saying, "Well, of course we'll take three picks to move down to one spot," and then they get the guy they want at thirty-one because other teams didn't want him. So I don't know. In right. the immediate aftermath, I wrote today just kind of what I could glean from certain teams' plans at, from this year's draft. That's how I usually like to think about the draft. Not where these picks are good and bad necessarily because there's a reason right. guys fall. There's a reason guys go where they are. If you Like you, like you said, if you enjoyed a guy pre-draft, you're going to like where he went if he slipped a little bit. But in my mind, the draft is valuable in saying, what do teams want to be based on what they did this weekend? And that's particularly informative when it comes to new GMs, blank slate rosters like San Francisco and the Browns have, or teams that are going in drastically different directions. We talked about Carolina last week. I feel like what the Ravens did with their pass defense was very indicative of where they think they are saying, we know our run defense is good. Let's be great in these other areas. So in that vein, did any teams plan or approach surprise or interest you? 
I think the the Ravens was okay. Tim Williams was a guy that everybody thought was a great talent. There's nobody going to dispute the talent. There were some issues off the off the field, but you know they could manage him in that sense. And I think great getting him. And I think he's the perfect complement for Brandon Williams, the big defensive tackle they spent all that money for. Tim Williams loves to run the corner. He's very good at running the edge. And I think if he plays effectively for Baltimore, it's going to be because the defensive tackle inside is going to power rush the guard and force the quarterback to have to step backwards so right into where Tim Williams likes to rush. So I think he'll be the perfect complement for Baltimore's rush. I think it'll help them. I think he gives them another more athleticism on the field because as the game changes so much that you're going to have to have guys that can run on the field to track down quarterbacks. And I think that's really where, uh, you, you know, that's where I think you see these picks and like the, the, the Patriots taking, taking rivers from Youngstown state. That's another example of a team that sees they've got to, they have to have more speed on the field all the time to track down some of these quarterbacks that move around. And I think that was the emphasis mostly in the, in the draft, especially later taking a flyer on guys that could run. I thought the Ravens draft was fascinating, and I think it plays into what their offseason has been in a way. If you look at all the moves they've made in the past two months, so Timmy Jernigan gets traded because they probably weren't going to pay him anyway. Understandable. So you draft Chris Wormley as a guy out of Michigan in the third round who hopefully can be a long-term replacement for him. Bronson Confuci is somebody they picked in the third round last year that didn't play last season. He was hurt all year, so you hope that he can be a player in your front seven this season. Kamala Correa didn't play a ton last year. He's an inside linebacker that you hope can step in. So these 2016 picks that you hope are going to be a part of your plan, just like you said, they're your 2017 players, even though they went last season. You add that to the idea that you sign Brandon Carr to essentially a one-year deal for just a a cornerback that can play in the NFL, which they were sorely lacking last year when Jimmy Smith got hurt. And then you have Tony Jefferson to go with Eric Weddle. You have all that, and then you sign two pass rushers who are very different. You know, Tim Williams is just a good pass rusher. He knows how to do it, and Tyus Bowser is a monster athlete. So all of these different pieces that are moving around, I think that if they hit in the right way, we're looking at a unit that can challenge anybody to be the best one in the league. Well, I do, and I think here's the problem with the Ravens. They had 30% of their playtime was removed from their team that hadn't been replaced. So this draft is going to have to provide 30% playtime for what they're missing. They were the number one team going into the draft that had not replaced playtime from the year prior. Because they don't sign many so guys in free agency. Draft, pardon me? They don't, they don't really go heavy in free agency most of the time. When teams fill needs, I mean, right. that, that Jefferson right. signing is kind of out of character for them. Right, and and some of those guys that you mentioned that were on IR last year that didn't play, they're going to have to contribute too. So the draft and the redshirt team from last year. So, and I think you can see the sense of of Baltimore. They know next year's a big year for them. They're going to have to make that giant step. I think the other team that did really well was Cincinnati. I know we all talk about the Nixon pick, but to get Carl Lawson in the fourth round and to get some of the players that they they acquired, I I wasn't in love with the John Ross pick. I understood it completely. Some people had John Ross as a medical but I understood why they did it. And I think it's always fascinating when you see Cincinnati, they keep adding more players to their offense that keep helping Andy Dalton. And the key thing they're going to have to do is protect Andy Dalton. They lose Whitworth in free agency. Are they going to be good enough in the offensive line? Because last year they weren't. Last year it was a huge problem. They lose Zeitler to the Browns. They lose they they lose uh, 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 the left tackle to the Rams. Whitworth, so, yeah. you know, they lose Whitworth to the Rams. So I, I, I think to me, all these skill players, they're going to have to get better. But I liked what they did. I liked, I liked Willis in the, in the third round. I, li- I liked Lawson. So 
I like some of the things they did. I even like Shaq Evans. They picked the linebacker from Oklahoma. So this team's got a chance. Baltimore, I liked. I think they did. You know, one thing we know about the draft, it's the teams that can develop players that are effectively going to be the best. I mean, like Sammy Coates, you've got to feel like the Steelers didn't develop him. They come back into the draft. They add a receiver in the draft. Sammy Coates now becomes available, you know, you know and see how they can develop players. Yeah, what Cincinnati did is fascinating because I feel like if you're trying to piece together the John Ross pick, you pick Boyd last year. He's not a burner by any stretch. He's going to be an underneath guy. And then you have A.J. Green. In a way, it kind of feels like the construction of the Falcons receiving core last year, where you have your number one clear-cut premier guy in A.J. Green. That's Julio Jones. And then you have a solid possession guy that can kind of move the chains for you. That's Boyd and Sanu. And Ross gives you what Taylor Gabriel provided the Falcons last year, somebody that can take the top off and allow A.J. Green and Boyd to work underneath. The problem is the Falcons signed Taylor Gabriel for $17 the week before the season, and the Bengals spent right. the number nine overall pick on John Ross. Right. And and look, John Ross, is a lot of people had him as a you know, microfactor surgery on the knee. There was a medical concern on John Ross. Can he stay healthy? I think, look, the, we know this. The coverage is going to get rolled in A.J. Green. We understand that. So Ross is going to see a lot of single coverage. And if he can make the plays down the field, especially in the red zone, where he can help Andy, Andy Dalton, because that's really – when you look at the Bengals' season last year, their inability to convert third downs in the red zone and their inability to make field goals is the reason they're picking in the top ten. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, getting Eifert back full time will help with the red zone efficiencies, you think. And you think about the Bengals, even when they were good offensively, they haven't had that burner guy that can just take you down the field outside the numbers. Marvin Jones can do that occasionally, but Marvin Jones wasn't on the field for them very often. Marvin Jones was hurt a lot. And we didn't see that version of the Bengals offense that much. Right, exactly. But when Marvin Jones was healthy, and I think this is symbolic of the pick, that's why they drafted Ross, because Marvin Jones exactly. made their offense much more effective. Totally. And I think that's what they're hoping to get out of Ross. Why do you think Lawson slipped? I mean, he was a guy that was productive at Auburn. People liked him coming into the draft. To get him in the fourth round, is there a reason that you can point to? I think it's all medical. I mean, look, when I was doing Auburn three years ago, I was watching an Auburn tape, and there was some – I think it was the kid the 49ers drafted in the third round from 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 Auburn, I was doing him, and I'm like, my God, who is this 55? He's really a good player. I mean, you look, and he's a freshman. And they got him out of Florida, so you know it was a recruiting battle to get him. And then he hurts his knee. And then I was down there working out coats, and I was asking how how Lawson's knee was, and everybody said he was coming back. But I think it was really all about the injury. I don't think it had anything to do with anything other than that. I think his injury, lack of height, uh, made it concerning. And so, therefore, you know, he slipped. But this is a typical Cincinnati Bengal-type pick. They get him in a, in, a, in a discounted rate, just like they got Willis at a discounted rate, their defensive lineman, and they have a success ratio of turning these guys into good players. And I thought that we talked about this, me, Kevin, and Danny, the week before the draft, that the Bengals needed a sudden element to their defense. They have guys that can play, but they don't have a lot of turn your head athleticism, just give you whiplash watching the guy play. And Willis can do that. That's how athletic he is. We thought it might come in the middle of their defense, but it coming at pass rusher, it still gives them the type of feel that they've been missing over the last couple of years. No doubt. But the way they rush, though, I think they rush. They don't like, they're a little bit like New England. They don't like to rush on edges and run up the field. They try to power the pocket and keep the quarterback in front of them, which is a good way to rush. But I agree. I think what you're saying is so true. I think they needed more speed on the field, and I think they're going to get it. Another thing I thought was interesting that I want to chat about before we get out of here is two teams 
know, not making big moves at quarterback, not the types of moves that the Texans or the Chiefs or the Bears did, but clearly planning for the future. And that's both the Giants and the Steelers picking Davis Webb and Josh Dobbs, respectively. Do you think either one of those guys have a chance with some time to eventually be the successor or these straight, we need a backup just in case shit goes bad picks? Yeah, I do. I I think it's going to take some time, you know, for both players. I mean, one guy, you know, Mahomes beat out Davis Webb. He had to go to Cal. He's been in shotgun, which will be in shotgun all the time in the the McAdoo offense. But I do think that that gives them some time to develop the players and come come in and and learn the offense. And there's really no pressure. Josh Dodds have no pressure on playing right now. He can come in and, and, and learn and be the backup and move on from there. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing is that if you a third and a fourth round pick, the chance of finding a starter in that range anyway, it's just not very good. I mean, the odds are not with you. You don't want to throw those picks away. But if you know you need a future option at quarterback and you like that guy enough and on your board he fits that spot, I think it's a logical time for both of those teams to be trying to do this stuff. Right, and then when you look at the fact that most teams are paying to over $2 million for a backup quarterback, if you get a backup quarterback, if you get a solid number two in the, in the fourth round, you're not paying $2 million a year for a backup. You saved yourself a lot of cap room with that pick. So even though he may never become a starter for you, he may never not be what you hope for. If he's a really good backup, you've got four years at an economic value that you can't really – you have a hard time replacing, and I think that makes it a successful pick. Is that why the Patriots pick a quarterback every two years? Well, because you know they don't want to go out and spend two million for backup. They rather put their resources somewhere else. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Exactly. that, that, That makes a ton of sense. I'd never thought about that before. But if you are just looking for a guy who is a disaster, is like a breaking case of disaster option, why not spend one fourth of the cost, maybe less? I mean, that makes total sense. Yeah, I mean, because look, here you are. I mean, you're going to be sitting there saying you got to, you, you know, you, the guy you put in the game can't win the game for you anyway. If you sign, whether it's Matt Flynn, and I don't mean to disparage anybody's career, but of most course. of those guys that are career backups, you know, they they can't win the game for you anyway. You might as well train your own guy to see if you, he can help you. And I think that's why that's why New England does it. That's how I would do it if I was running the team. And, and it's not even about whether there's solid backup quarterback options. You think about a guy like Brian Hoyer, right? So Brian Hoyer is picked by the Patriots. He's in New England for those first three years. He's making three hundred ten grand, four hundred, five hundred. He goes to Arizona, does whatever. But then, for the most part, after that, you know, we're looking at three million, five million. Right. When he was in we Cleveland, that, him, that's we those signed numbers. Him for a million, we signed him for a million dollars in Cleveland, and he ended up starting for us. And then the next yeah. year, they cut him, try to replace him with, the, and, and people haven't replaced him. I mean, look, Brian Hoyer is what he. Brock Osweiler wasn't better than Brian Hoyer. No, I mean they replaced Brian Hoyer with Brock. That did show that didn't work out. So, do you know I how badly I want Brian Hoyer to be the starting quarterback for the Bears right now? Do you know how badly I want that to be my life? So well, desperately I mean, bad. The problem is you you could have you could have signed him and then kept you know. But look, we'll see how this all plays out. I think what what Brian Pace is doing is he's putting a lot of resources in the quarterback, which is a smart thing to do. Whether he's right or not, we'll find out. My only problem is, especially after reading that Peter King thing, is just that it seems like they didn't need. To, they were willing to do it for the two thirds and then they had to throw in the extra fourth. Like these, you're a team with a lot of players that you need. You can't just throw away draft picks like they're Tic Tacs. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, if Trubisky's really great, like they think he is, you won't even remember the fourth. 
Of course. I mean, that, that is 100% true. But the opportunity cost by handing a quarterback $18 million and him not even being a potential starting quarterback for you past this season is frustrating. Even if Glennon's great, yep. even if they win nine games and Mike Glennon just is slinging around the yard and they can get a first-round pick for him next year, it's still bad input no matter what the output. That's all I'm saying. So, <laughs> all right, Mike, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, we'll be back thank soon. We'll, of course. Talk to you later. You, you bet. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Very excited to announce the newest podcast to the Ringer Podcast Network family. It's Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. So this pod is gambling, 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 and more gambling. Yes, I have a gambling problem. Yeah. I want to share it with you. I want yeah. to make it your problem. And it's not just football. NHL playoffs, uh, NBA playoffs, baseball, horse racing. There's boxing, UFC. When we hit- SummerSlam. Oh, all the wrestling. When we hit July, we have a, a hot dog eating contest for Nathan's. And some surprise celebrity guests. Yeah. All right. It's Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. Subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcast. And we're thinking about once a week, right? Yeah, let's do it. And we are welcome now by Mr. Kevin Clark. Kevin, how you doing? I'm hyperventilating over this list of sparky athletes the Packers drafted. Yeah, I know you're super into Someone that. just They're tweeted like- it at me. A few teams, you know, really went that direction. I think the Browns drafted a lot of... I described it today as if they were looking for guys that just could be in the X-Men, not necessarily football players. The but if, if you're the Browns or the 49ers, that's exactly what you should be doing. So it makes total sense. I had a lot of Chiefs fans tweeting at me, some of these guys, the Villanova kid, uh, the Michigan wide receiver. I mean, there's some real... I mean, I, I've written about many times how how devoted to combine numbers the Chiefs are, but I didn't expect they'd take it this far. All right, we're going to dig into a little bit of that, but mostly in reference to the teams that we think got the biggest bump this weekend. So we're going to have two different conversations here. The first is, if some of these picks break right, you know, we we do this all the time with the draft. We see the the teams that pick certain players, the positions at which they pick them and say, oh, it's over. They got it. They've got the guys they need. Those guys need to become the best versions of themselves for that to be relevant. So for the, the purpose of this conversation, that's the universe in which we're going to be operating. If these picks hit, which teams get the biggest bump? And then from there, we're going to kind of piggyback on that to talk about a way too early attempt at figuring out who's going to be playing in the Super Bowl and going deep into the playoffs. So let's have that first conversation. If you're looking at certain drafts, certain positions that were filled, if it goes well, which team in your mind got the biggest bump from this weekend? For me, you know, I, I think that there's there's a lot of ways you can go with this. But for me, I think we've always looked at what would the Colts look like if they had competent decision makers? Sure. Ryan Grigson basically ran a thought experiment on how you can screw up a franchise quarterback. That That's what he did in, in some of these drafts. So when I look at the Colts draft, Malik Hooker, safety, great, great player. I mean, I, people were talking about him going fifth or sixth overall. Quincy Wilson, a really athletic cornerback from Florida. Uh, I mean, I talked to some of the some 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 recruiting gurus who basically said he's so athletic he could have played any position on the field. It's incredible that he basically stuck at corner and 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 learned the corner skills he did and the coverage skills he did because he is really athletic out there. And then you have Terrell Basham out of Ohio in the, at defensive end in the third round. That's three players who could be contributors right away. The Colts were eighth in points for, uh, points four last year, twenty second in points allowed. Okay, they were twenty seventh in passing yards allowed. 
All you need is a little incremental improvement, and they would run away with that division. Oh, see, I, don't, I totally disagree that they'd, be, they'd run away with that division. I don't think the Titans helped themselves all that much. Uh, the Titans were really good already. Uh, the Titans they're are a pretty, good They're really good. They're pretty good. The Titans are in a very good shape to be better this year than they were last year. I don't know about that. Uh, their quarterback was a second-year quarterback last year. He'll be a third-year quarterback this year. They go get a guy in the secondary that they needed in Logan Ryan. I definitely think the Titans are in good in a good spot to take a step forward this year. Man, there and was a chance. There was a chance if they took a different guy than Corey Davis, fifth overall. Me, you know, Mike Lombardi and I were both scratching our heads. We were together during the draft. I mean, the Corey Davis thing at five was real weird. I think you could have gotten value at receiver later in the draft. I think if they had taken a great defensive player there, I, I think I think we're having a very different conversation about the AFC South right now. But I really, I, I, I like the Colts a lot, but I don't like the Titans now after this draft. I, Corey Davis doesn't excite you compared to the other players that went there, but they needed a wide receiver. They needed one. If he can be a number one receiver, then that makes sense. Adoree Jackson gives them a corner. Even Janu Smith, the guy from Florida International, yeah. that's a vertical tight end. That dude moves. It just feels like they added enough pieces offensively, and if they can get something from Ryan. If Jackson can make a play, they added Cyprian uh, in the back end. I think that they have a chance to be better than they were right. last year. And, and they, well, I mean, well, what you know, the per, I, I immediately defaulted to the Titans, but of course there is the Texans at this point in that division. And that's where I'm going right yeah. now because I think that if we're looking at drafts that could go the right way, and if they do, who's helped the most? I think it's Houston. Sure. I, I mean. If Watson can come in and be a competent quarterback, which is no guarantee, but again, that's not the conversation we're having. If he can come in and be decent, which is all you need to do to be better than what they had last year, there are pieces on that offense. There absolutely are. I'm concerned about some of the offensive linemen. I mean, they, those aren't great players either, but you have receiving options. Fuller's fast, and DeAndre Hopkins is good, man. You got a couple tight ends that can play a little bit, and if Watson come in and just kind of make it all come together... And then you look at that defense, things start to get interesting. Yeah. I know you lose. I know you lost Boye, but Zach Cunningham is the type of player they needed because where they got cooked last year is lack of athleticism at inside linebacker. So that's the biggest glaring need, in my opinion, on their defense. So they added the the player that filled the biggest need they had on offense by far, and the biggest need they had on defense to go along with the team that made the playoffs last year. I really think they become a scary proposition in the AFC if Watson pans out. Yeah, look, you know, Shea Serrano was in the office when they made that Deshaun Watson pick, and he basically made the same point. He said, we made the playoffs with with the worst quarterback of all time, and now we have a competent quarterback. However, a rookie quarterback, let's not, I know this is a copycat league, and that's the old cliche, but like, I know Dak Prescott was really good last year, but let's not assume now that, that every rookie quarterback is going to be able to get you to, to that many wins. I just don't, I think that there's going to be, you know, there's a lot of growing pains, man, and like, I just don't know... There's a reason that Bill O'Brien keeps saying that Tom Savage is a starter. Obviously, I don't believe that, but I do believe that there's going to be growing pains, and and you know I, maybe for the first couple of games he goes with Savage. It is really hard to be a quarterback in the NFL right now. The pl- the practice time is really really limited. I mean, you you go from uh, it, it doesn't matter where you are in college anymore. You still run tons of spread elements. There's not enough um, you know pro elements in the college offense. I think that's a little bit overstated at this point because teams run so much shotgun because uh, the NFL is running a little more spread elements. But I do think there's a lot of terminology. A 
lot of things you have to learn. And I don't know if you can necessarily do that by September. In order to win this division, you're going to have to win 12 games. I, I just I see Watson. I don't know if that's true. I think the Colts are going to be good, man. So you're saying that Deshaun Watson can't come in and play quarterback right away, but Malik Hooker is instantly going to be like the best safety in the NFL? No, I, I think what I said is you need incremental improvement from the defense. They were, I think you're overstating how good the offense was last year. They were eighth in the NFL. In points scored, they were not that good. That's what offense is, scoring points. Offense is about efficiency. It's not about scoring points. Efficiency. They were 12th. They were 12th. A year after being 30th, I mean, obviously no luck. But I don't think they're necessarily this machine on offense where if they were an average NFL defense, they suddenly become a Super Bowl contender. That's not what I see They're going to win 11 games this year. Because I think Andrew Luck is pretty good. I think the offense is is efficient, no matter what you say. I think T.Y. Hilton is a great player. I, I just, it's fine. It's a decent offense. It's not a juggernaut. I I I, I think that you if you get I, I so we sort of disagree here on on the Colts offense. I mean, it's not the Packers. It's not Aaron Rodgers. You know, yeah, scoring you, at will. If you're going to have but, a decent defense, you need to have a score at will offense. That's what Super Bowl contenders are made of. If you have a very good unit, you need the other one to at least be competent. And I don't know if we're quite there yet. They were 29th in DVOA last year and 32nd against the run. It, they didn't add any thumpers. Jonathan Hankins is a good player. I like the path. I like what they've done. At least they have a plan and someone making the decisions that seems to have an understanding of what to do. But I'm not necessarily penciling it in by any stretch. Look, I mean, I, the, the the teams that were above... The teams that were best in the league last year at yards per play. Obviously, the Falcons are an outlier, but the Redskins, the Saints, you know, the, the Patriots were above them. I mean, I just think that you all, if the Saints, for instance, devoted a ton of resources to defense and they actually hit on them, they would they would be Super Bowl contenders. Okay, I, I and, and I, they're, what, they're my next team. <laughs> oh, well, right, well, let's let's get to them. We'll we'll circle back to the Colts a little later. But you go ahead with your Saints point. So here's okay. And I think this is a perfect segue because I agree with you that the Saints are one of those teams that could desperately need a they desperately need an influx on defense in order to help the fact that they have a very good offense. But there's a gap to me. I think the Saints were sixth last year in offensive way. They're every year they're in the top eight. And I like what they have from a talent standpoint much more than I like what the Colts have. The Saints offensive line is one of the best three or four in the league. The Colts is not. Drew Brees at this stage is a better quarterback than Andrew Luck, even if you think it's particularly close. I like T.Y. Hilton more than I like a lot of the players on the Saints offense, but Michael Thomas can play. And you have Mark Ingram. You have Alvin Kamara as a speed element now. I don't know what Adrian Peterson is. I don't, that doesn't matter to me. But I like the Saints offense considerably more than I like the Colts offense. And then you think about the defensive pieces that they added. You go get Marshawn Lattimore with the 11th overall pick. And then you go get a safety in the next round. They're trying to add pieces, and you have Ramchek as a way to kind of cover for yourself when it comes to offensive line health. One of the reasons that I'm concerned, or when we talk about teams having these great lines and how they're going to be the foundation, offensive linemen get hurt a lot. Yep. But what Ramchek gives you is he gives you at least some sort of contingency plan if one of your tackles goes down. So I think they covered themselves offensively and they gave themselves a higher ceiling defensively. And when combined with what some of the players they added in free agency, I think that their defense hits, they're much more dangerous than Indianapolis is. So a couple things on the on the Breeze versus Luck argument. Obviously in a vacuum, especially last year when Luck was so banged up and, and basically the last two years he's been as injured as any quarterback who was playing. Um, I mean, it really, when you, when you hear about... Uh, 
his kidneys, when you hear about his shoulder. I mean, the fact that he was ever on the field in the last two years is a minor miracle. I know he missed some time, um, obviously, two years ago, and that was a disaster. But, I mean, the fact that he was, he's was he been on the field. He injured his shoulder in September of last year. And so I think that he had surgery uh, this offseason. I think he'll be a little healthier. Having said that, Drew Brees is 38 years old. And if you're going to short a quarterback, I would – at some point, that has to end. It happened with Peyton Manning, where he was great, he was great, he was great, until the moment he wasn't great. And I just think, and I know Peyton Manning had neck surgery, four neck surgeries, but I mean, he, he, things fall apart for players in their late forty, in their late thirties. This is not, um, this is not golf, okay? You know, Freddie Couples, you know, in in in, in contention at the Masters of fifty nine. That's not going to happen at some point. Yeah, Drew Brees needs his Augusta. I don't know what that is. That'd be amazing. <laughs> it, 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 it's probably the Superdome, Jack, honestly, Jack, playing on that Jack track Nicholas, inside. Jack Nicholas said uh, <laughs> in eighty six, he'll just have one more one more year. I still believe Favre can come back and I start just, for somebody right now. I just right think now. if you have to short a quarterback, it's the thirty eight year old. That is fair. It's not about me shorting Andrew Luck. I think Andrew Luck is a very good quarterback and played very well last year. I'm not trying to take that away from him. I just think at this point, Breeze and the Saints offense is one of the safer bets in the league to be right up there every single year. You're right that at some point it's going to fall off, but it wasn't last year, and I don't know if it's going to be this year. I think it's a safer bet that the Saints offense is a top five offense than the Colts. That's what I'm saying. I don't think that I think the Colts will be what they were last year. I think they'll be in that five to eight range. I'm just saying our our hypothetical conversation is what happens if the defense if these picks hit and they went defense with their first three and I think their first two picks were really really good. If they get into a good secondary situation, I think they're going to win the division. I think that division is pretty tough. That's all I'm saying. You said they'd walk to it. I completely disagree. If their picks hit, if their picks hit. Then yes. Now, if if Deshaun Watson is Dak Prescott part two, then it's a different conversation. Then you know, then, then we probably need one more win. You probably you know, it, there's a chance that one of these teams everything goes right, and there's a twelve and four team. There's a, there's a chance that Deshaun Watson is you know the best rookie quarterback we've seen in years, and they go thirteen and three. That defense is that good. We're just having a hypothetical conversation on what happens if a team's pick a a, a team's picks hit. And for me, I, I like what the Colts did. The Watson thing is interesting to me in a few different ways. One, I want to see when he starts getting the reps. Because I was talking to some people around the Raiders recently about why Carr succeeded as early as he did. And I think that it's a similar way, similar thing to what Dak did. And all the coaches and GMs I spoke to for that kind of mid-round quarterbacks fine, mid-round quarterback fines story that I did last week, they said that being the guy matters early because you get the first round, first team reps. And it goes beyond that. Everyone in the building sees you as the starting quarterback. You are the starting quarterback. And Tyron Smith and Des Bryant and all those guys looking at Dak Prescott on August 26th and saying, you're our starting quarterback, ended up coming to, it ended up mattering. That was a thing. So I don't want, I hate to see the Texans dick around with Tom Savage until a week before the season and then say, all right, Deshaun Watson, you're the starting quarterback. I think that stuff is important. So if they do that, I think it will help. Two, Prescott succeeded in large part because of the infrastructure that existed in Dallas. Right, and that was one of the points I was going to make. I mean, Lamar Miller is not Ezekiel Elliott. That offensive line in Houston is not the Dallas offensive line. That is 100% correct, but I also think that it's not a bad infrastructure to walk into. It's not as if he was the first overall pick and this team was terrible. Even though the offense struggled last year, to me it was in large part because of the quarterback and because their offensive line worries me a bit. I think with Kelly coming back, who they lost for the entire season last year, you can find a situation with him and Mance and 
Jeff Allen, who they signed last year. Dwayne Brown looked great near the end of the season. I know he's getting up there in age. I think their line can be better than it was last year, and the quarterback could definitely be better. You add that to some nice receiving options. They picked the Dante Foreman kid from Texas in the third round. I think that that is a more comfortable scenario than most big-time quarterbacks get when they come into the league. So I feel like there are opportunities for it to be successful early if he gets the shot. I, tol- I totally agree with you. I think the entire division is one like hypothetical after another, because I, I just think that there's so there are teams in that. Di- I think all three of those teams could be anywhere from from seven game winners to thirteen game winners. Truly, I mean th- that, that. I think there is a there are more variables in the AFC South than any other division. I think all of those teams can be contenders in the right way. I think that's correct. I, agree. I yeah. think Jackson, Jacksonville is frisky in or certain elements of the roster, but Blake Borders is still their quarterback, so it doesn't matter. All right. Hey, they so, picked up the fifth-year option on Bortles. Yeah, I saw that. Breaking news, right? So, all right, those are the teams we think can get the biggest bump, but let's get into the teams that we feel, even if it doesn't necessarily break the right way, if certain elements do, certain elements don't, we feel as of today, with rosters more or less set pending some weird free agency moves, who's who's there? Who who are going to be the teams that are playing for a Super Bowl as we get to the end? And I think that we're both in agreement on the team that is at the top of that list. The Jaguars? That's right. We yep. play Bortles. We just talked about yep. it. Yeah. Um, okay. So you want me to go first? Yeah. Go okay. Ahead, so buddy. there's a couple teams that I wanted to put in the final four, and I just couldn't do it. I think the Panthers are going to be a lot better than they were last year. Can't do it. I, I don't even know if they're going to get the divisional round. I think there's just too many good teams. I've written about this a couple times. I mean, there's a handful of franchises that have just risen to the top and, and, and really aren't going to get toppled until their quarterback gets hurt, basically, because they've surrounded their quarterbacks with enough talent. They manage a salary cap. And even if they don't manage a salary cap well, the, the salary cap is so huge now that, that even the worst teams can manage it. So my picks are a little chalky. Um, but I, I, there's nothing I can do here. Um, I think chalk is what you should be doing at this point. That's what the, that's what we're doing. Yeah, I, I, mean, I would yeah. like to say I would like to go bold and be like the Lions are going to make the Super Bowl. But <laughs> I, there's just not. It's just not. It's not a hill I'm going to die on. And may, maybe maybe as it gets closer and I visit these teams, uh, you know, in in June or July and, and start talking to more people around the league, that that's when that's when these sort of proclamations get made. So in the NFC. A rematch of last year's play- playoff game, but in the divisional round, not the conference championship. I think the Packers and the Cowboys. I think I just don't see a team leapfrogging either of them. Um, I just think their their situations are too good. I mean, the the things that both of them do and do well, those things are sustainable. Offensive line is sustainable. Aaron Rodgers being really good is sustainable. Uh, the run game is sustainable, and so the Packers draft enough athletes, as we always joke about. Um, you know, to keep that going, I think that the Cowboys, obviously, uh, with Taco Taco Charlton I mean, addressing their 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 pass rush, that's only going to help. It can't hurt, and they were still pretty damn good even without maybe an elite pass rush last year. So that's my NFC championship. And of that, if I had to guess, I'm just going to go Packers. The Packers are my team as well. I think that Atlanta is in there in a little bit, but I honestly, I think that the loss of Kyle Shanahan matters. I don't I, until I see what Steve Starkeesian is as offensive coordinator. I'm not going to feel that great about it. So that's one thing to take into consideration. I just like what Green Bay did. I think adding Kevin King is a guy that can come in. He and was play my pick right away. He was my ideal dream pick on last he, he week's podcast for the listeners. And they moved down to get him. Yeah, I mean they got to they move heard. down to get him. So they, they heard. Josh Jones is a, you know, you add him in the secondary, you have some pieces there. I think that with Jamal Williams, the guy they pick in the fourth round, you just, he's another running back. You can pick a running back in the fourth round to just be part of a rotation. We'll see what happens with the offensive line. You know, they, 
in Green Bay. Yeah, you lose TJ Lang. They're usually good. They've those position that spot has been solid for a while. It hasn't always been during Rodgers' tenure, which people forget. In the early days of Rodgers, their line was actually pretty bad. But that had a lot to do with Rodgers not understanding how to use them in the right way quite yet. I, I feel like it's it's harder to be at that place now. I, I thought it was interesting there was a report in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel that Packers coaches were just beside themselves that Thompson let TJ Lang go. I can understand that. TJ Lang is a hell of an influence in that locker room. I mean, that at, some point, me. at some point, I, I know that how they treat free agency, I know how they treat players with high price tags, but at some point, just, just keep TJ Lang. Yep, I totally agree. I mean, unless you're worried about the, the hip and everything else, that's probably that, that's a play in their thought process. I still don't like it. But, all right, so let's go to Dallas. I, they would have been my other team. I'm just worried about whether they're going to be able to sustain on offense. I, I feel like we're just penciling them in as this top four group again. You lose Leary, who is your better guard. I know that he was the backup coming into last season, but he's better than Lyle Collins. He's a better player right now. And then Doug Free goes. Doug Free's not yeah. some superstar, but who knows what the hell Chaz Green is. So you have two pieces there, and that goes beyond the fact that they're good offensive linemen stayed relatively healthy last season. You know, I know Tyron Smith missed a couple games early, but when it mattered, that group was intact, and they got better when their left guard got hurt. So, I feel like that's something to keep into consider to take into consideration. We've never seen Smith, Frederick, or uh, Zach Martin go down for extended periods of time. If that happens, you suddenly become much worse in the most important area of your franchise. So that's just something to keep in mind. And I think that Dak is was really good last season. I don't know how. We're just going to be able to say he's going to be better this year. I, I don't necessarily think that. But wasn't that because, your argument with with Mariota that you know there's just there's just natural improvement from year to year? I think that the Titans added more players to give Mariota a boost. I think that there's not necessarily natural improvement from year to year, but I think the Titans supporting cast and the infrastructure and just kind of the bubble around him in that offense, they added pieces to it. The Cowboys couldn't solely because of money reasons and because they needed to add so many resources to their defense. Hey, I kind of like, I, I know obviously in the fourth round, you, you can't just go around saying he's going to be a starter. I, kinda, I like I, that guy. I kind of like Ryan Switzer. Yeah, he can play a little bit, but I, you know, I don't know how many snaps he's going to get. No. You can understand that Corey Davis is going to be on the field from day I, one. I, I, like, one I just think that, that Switzer by November, could, once he gets worked into the offense, could be a nice little X factor in the playoffs. Sure, but like... They had receivers. No, you know, that's a fourth round pick. I what, feel like what, 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 when you say you wish they had a little more help, what, what would you have liked them? Obviously, they had to go defense with their first three picks because that's, that's the, the, the biggest question mark. Okay. But if you were to have picked an offensive weapon, what would you have done for the Cowboys? Oh, I would like to see them have another tackle. Yeah. I mean, it's just it, I, see a guy that's a blue chip pedigree guy to come in and play right tackle. Trap and not offensive lineman at all. No, I mean, I think there's they feel comfortable with the guys they have, mm-hmm. and that's fine. They know much more about Chaz Green than any of us do, because what could we possibly know? But that's what I'm saying is I think that line just isn't going to be the group it was last season. And if that's not the case, then I wonder what the offense as a whole looks like. I think it can still be great. I'm just not sure it's a guarantee the way that some people. So do. who's your who's your second NFC? Championship I honestly don't game? know. I, I have no what, idea. What just happened? I, I, that's what I'm saying. We I went think that, through it. We had the show built around this. Dallas is in there and Atlanta's in there. I, I can't make a pick yet. Those are the teams that I think are in the running. Those are the next two on my list. And I think Seattle isn't that far off. Wow. You're, just, you're trading back. 
in this conversation. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. I don't have you're the one. Browns. I'm sorry. You're just trading. I, you're not. You got. You got on the clock and panicked and couldn't do anything. It's it's half. It's half Dallas, half Atlanta with Seattle hanging in the background. That's what I'll say. Great. I'm sorry. Luke, lukewarm takes. All right, let's go. To it's AFC May before 1. We get out of here. We're getting close to football season. Yeah, exactly. Get in the right. game, Maze. Yeah, I, I better have some definitive answers. On May 1st. All right, let's all do right. the AFC and let's get yeah. out of here. All right. Uh, uh, so let's say that you're. Right. We all know who's the second one in this conversation. No, I, who's I, the first I, one? I swear to God, we should not even spend any time on, on the Patriots. All I have to say is, and I tweeted this on Thursday night, or maybe Friday night, I think it's Friday night. The Patriots won the Super Bowl last yeah. year. The Patriots are definitively better this year than they were last year when it comes to the talent on paper. Like, there's no question about that. They have better players. Like, it's absolutely ridiculous that you have a team that won the Super Bowl, that added Stephon Gilmore, a couple cheap guys on defense that other teams didn't like, but they could probably get more out of. Dwayne Allen can play. I think Mike Gillisley can really play. So you had all these pieces that weren't very expensive to a team that won the Super Bowl, it's ridiculous. I, I have no idea how this continues to happen. Oh, yeah. Brandon it, Cooks is on this team, too, by the way. Yeah, Mark Daniels from... from and Kronk! <laughs> yeah, Mark Daniels tweeted out, as a Patriots beat writer, tweeted out essentially what the Patriots did with their picks. Because, obviously, they, they traded out. They, they only took four players. And so, really, they took their first-round pick, they got Brandon Cooks. Second-round pick, Coney Ealy. Okay? Fourth-round pick, Dwayne Allen. Fifth round pick, Mike Gillisley. Fifth round, James O'Shaughnessy. Fifth round, Barcavius Mingo, who's obviously departed and gone with the Colts. Sixth round, Kyle Van Noy. That's what they did with their draft picks. They took four players. Belichick showed up. Belichick stopped being, you know, wearing Tommy Bahama at the Cape for an hour to come in and just probably pick, you know, future pro bowlers. Um, Antonio Garcia is one. Derek, Derek Rivers, uh, fastest available three cone. At the time of any defensive lineman, so that was that's how he picks. That he, was he puts in no pick. prep to he the draft. In, he walked in with his boat shoes and said, "Can I get a three cone guy?" And then walked out. That was it. That was Belichick on draft weekend. He's going to win the next nine Super Bowls. Yeah, we're all screwed. Anybody that roots for a team should just stop rooting for that team, especially if it's the one that I root for. Not worth our time. I whatsoever. think Coney, Coney Ealy might be pretty good at some point. I think Coney Ealy's fine, and the, he almost—I mean, he, he would have been Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, that's a weird um, that's a weird argument because the Panthers didn't come close to winning that game, but he had a damn good Super Bowl. Yes, he did, and I know that that probably skews our opinion of him. But it seems like what Belichick is doing is kind of splitting the difference between understanding how much time he has with Brady, but also not making panic moves related to it. You know, you're not winning now by sacrificing resources, but you're trading two years of rookie contract for four years of a rookie contract. Yeah, and the way you're kind of closing that gap a little bit is that the guys you're trading for, we know what they are in the NFL, for better or for worse. So I understand that strategy. I actually think it makes a lot of sense. I totally agree with you. All right, my second AFC team, Oakland Raiders. Because... I I can't... That's a good one. I can't disagree with you. The Oakland Raiders... I had been picking the Oakland Raiders to make a deep, deep playoff game since last summer. Um, Obviously, when Derek Carr goes down... On Christmas Eve, I think it was, that changed everything. They had no chance in the playoffs. I mean, it, the 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 mood around that team dropped. Derek Carr, I think intangibles are overrated. 
having said that, Derek Carr is a leader unlike I've seen uh, at such a young age. Um, he 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 was that team last year. Khalil Mack is a great guy, great player. Um, he sort of you know he and Bruce Irvin um, have really good handle on that defense. But from a team perspective, the leader is Derek Carr. So they had no chance in the playoffs once he went down. Breaking your leg not that big a deal in the grand scheme of things. You'd much rather have a broken leg than some sort of nerve damage or, or something that's going to take a little longer to heal. So I think he'll be back. And then, you know, the defense was a tire fire at times, but Carl Joseph will be healthy for the entire season. They got Conley in the first. Obi Melanfalu, who is my favorite human being on the planet, Yep. in the second round, safety. It's my fiance and Obi are, are 1A and 1B um, as far as my favorite humans. Just if you look at his... Measurables. I mean, he 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 was close to Byron Jones's all-time broad jump mark. Which I mean, I would say t- if you told me that a guy almost beat Byron Jones's broad jump mark, I don't even care how good of a pro Brian Dr- Byron Jones is. I would trade up to the first round, first overall pick, and and get Obi. That's all I really, I, hope, I really hope you run a team someday. And just get the jumpers. <laughs> you, well, you're going to have the same boat shoes as Belichick. You're just going to care about the broad jump the instead boat of the three The card. boat shoes thing is so overstated about me. <laughs> I'm just saying you're going to come That's into that version narrative. of yourself. I own like two pairs. I'm from Florida. <laughs> we get issued that at birth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, c- continue your your love, oh. your overwhelming love of the Raiders here. Okay. We anyway, here. they went they went defense. Look, I just think that the the health of the defense. I think Khalil Mack is going to have an incredible year, um, even better than he was last year. And to go defense, you know, your first three picks, I love it. Uh, everything about that makes sense. I think they absolutely are going to be in that conversation. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh just to be a little bit different. I think that that offense has a chance to be very good again. If Brian comes back, you pick Juju Smith-Schuster. I call him Schuster-Smith as a way to just get Sammy Coates out of your life. You know, I don't think that's a Martavis Bryant. It's, it is a slight Martavis Bryant insurance policy, but I think that's a way to say goodbye, Sammy Coates. This was fun. So you have a guy that can come and play for you right away at those spots. The rest of the offense is set, clearly. Now, the offensive line is one of the best in the league every year. Roethlisberger can play. And I like D.J. Watt. You know, I think they yeah. needed a guy at that spot to okay. pair with Bud Dupree, who came on late. They're loving those athletes at pass rusher. That's exactly what Watt is. You'd hope that those young corners, you know, they were some combination of injured and raw last season. Hopefully that can change as we move forward. I think that they're going to be right in the mix again. I almost picked the Steelers as a breaks right team. And what I mean by that is TJ Watt, if he is an impact player his first year, Bud Dupree's really good. That's a nasty pass rush. Totally. And that's a team, if you combine that offense with the nasty pass rush, that's a Super Bowl winner. Yeah, I I agree. And I I like the players they have in the middle. I think that not having Cam Hayward in the playoffs is something we didn't really talk about. I mean, this is a defense with some players on it. And I think the walk and be an next hit, then they're certainly in the conversation. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you. That's all we got. Uh, I think that I don't know. I don't know exactly what our schedule is. We will. I'll, I'll tweet it out. I'll let you guys know I'm, I'm when going we're going to be back. So I, I'm literally going to China on Thursday. Yeah, you're so going to China it's on be Thursday a while for me. Yeah, I'm not going to China, but I'm. Uh, the I'm data, going some the other data places, rates so. for me to call into a 40 minute podcast might be a little high. I, I'm sure that yeah, I'm sure your girlfriend would love that. Your fiance, but uh, yeah, we'll figure that out. All right, buddy. We will. Uh, as always, thank you for doing this with me. Thank you guys for listening. It's always fun, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys.